uncommon sense advice on your work life, your personal life, and God knows what else. Welcome to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. I would guess that most of us are wondering what the uh, post-pandemic, or at least uh, the after it wanes a bit, uh, what the new normal is going to look like. Uh, I have some thoughts, and that's what I want to share with you today on uh, this edition of How to Do Life. We're going to talk about work, we're going to talk about personal life, uh, a little bit about transportation, about health, politics, uh, religion, spirituality. So we'll try to cover a fair amount of ground here. I hope you'll enjoy it, if actually not perhaps even find it helpful. I want to start with talking about work. I think employers have learned a couple of big lessons from uh, the pandemic. Number one, uh, that uh, they don't need so many people there, full-time people or employees are willing to and able to work reasonably well, or maybe even better in some cases, outside the noisy cube farms and uh, extended breaks, the temptations of chatting a lot with people uh, working from home, at least part of the time. My hope is that uh, more employers will use a hybrid system in which it's individualized. Some people can and want to work at home. Maybe it's relatively quiet. They don't like the distractions of work and the cube farm. And while others, you know, they get their, uh, they really need that social interaction. They feel bereft and they're less productive and certainly less happy unless they're in the workplace, at least part of the time. So I'm hoping that the new normal will look like employers giving choices in terms of how much remote and how much in, uh, in-office work is going to be required. Less good news, I predict, for the uh, worker is that they're realizing, not they're realizing, employers are, they've long wanted to let go a lot of people, but for various reasons that go beyond the scope of what can be discussed here, um, they've been reluctant to. And uh, the pandemic has given them cover, has enabled them to say, you know, with the pandemic shutdown, we're, we're letting go more people. Anyway, so... Um, I'm afraid that uh, while there has been some rebound already in, in, in hiring, I don't think it'll come back to the sub-4% unemployment rates that we saw uh, before the pandemic. We're at 6 now. That's 50, more than 50% higher. And I'm afraid that it's going to stay pretty much at that level. Uh, and that's a, what does that mean? That means for the worker, <sighs> I feel like I'm flogging you. But in order for the worker to hold his job or get promoted, it's going to require keeping an updated skill set. We're becoming an ever more technological society, especially in this uh, where remote work is safer and cheaper for employers. And that means the greater use of technology. People who are going to stay employed are going to know high quality current software. They may or may not need to program very much, if at all, but Certainly the tech piece is big. The other, the, the, uh, the softer piece, and it kind of makes me cringe, I've, the longer I've been a career counselor, the more I see that people can be just acceptably competent, but really do know how to play the game. They know how to kiss up to their boss. They know how to neutralize a potential saboteur coworker. Uh, you know, it's going to be who you know. So networking needs to be built into your day-to-day life, both within your organization and outside in case you get laid off. And finally, yeah, the soft skills matter somewhat. You can be quite competent if you piss off somebody because uh, 
you've said something that's offensive to them in some way or another, you can lose your job. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about race and gender. It can be anything. And, you know, we, we are, our sensitivity triggers are, are quite, quite sensitive these days. So we've, you've got to have the emotional intelligence to be ever thinking, I don't want to, how do, is what I'm going to say, what is the risk of this offending somebody? What is the risk of retribution, the person trying to get back at you? So I think there's going to be, uh, uh, in the new normal, a lot of pressure on workers to be very good. I'm not so convinced that it's going to be working super long hours. I think we've kind of peaked at that. There's a hell of a lot of workplaces where the expectation is 50, 60 hours, but there's such a powerful vector that's a pressure in the, in the direction of work-life balance. It's almost the mantra of the 21st century that I think that ever more employers are not just going to pay lip service to work-life balance, but they will try to cap things in general. There's always going to be the exception, but I think that it's not going to be more hours necessarily, but it may be less time uh, playing on the internet during the workday. There is certainly, I know of a, uh, companies that now do a pretty damn good job, uh, some would say a pretty bad job, of, um, uh, meaning not good to the workers, of monitoring people's productivity, uh, especially in a more technological, if your job is technology-based and they can track what you're doing. So um, there's going to be pressure to, to not necessarily work more hours, but to be productive, whether you're working at home or not. And uh, I, certainly I can say one of the reasons that employers are feeling in, in the privacy of my office, I have many senior um, employees in companies and nonprofits, uh, and they're saying part of the reason they don't want to rehire is the mandates on employers are getting ever greater. Employee rights, wrongful termination, uh, they predict that we're going to have some version of national health care which is going to be put on the burden of employers and that's going to increase costs yet more. And so uh, that's one of the factors that's going to uh, keep employers from hiring and therefore putting more pressure on, on workers. If they want to keep a decent job, they're going to have to do the things I, I mentioned. Okay. Uh, I also think there's going to be, it doesn't take a genius to predict that uh, the Biden administration has made very clear, and here in California, where it's overwhelming uh, Democratic uh, Assembly and Senate, that the pressure is going to be not just to, to put more pressure on private companies in terms of uh, more providing more benefits, more work, more um, uh, employee protections, but there is tremendous incentives to create more public sector jobs, jobs that were previously purely private sector, going to be public-private partnerships, ever more government jobs. Clearly, we're willing to, willing to not we, I would say the government is willing to print ever more money, even if it's, I think there's potential for that extent, existential risk to the United States, because so much of our debt is to China, and if they choose to pull the trigger, you know, our credit, you know, there could be real problems to the United States. So, um, but we seem to be willing to do it, and uh, government is clearly expanding, uh, and it will be expanding in the areas that Biden says he wants to focus on. Infra quote, infrastructure, which is a very expanded definition, including climate change, even including immigration. I think that uh, that will be the new normal is going to be already the government is the largest employer in America, uh, and it's going to be even larger. And so uh, unless you have uh, ideological problems working for the government, uh, it may be that's the best deal in town. I've been saying that for years, but it's getting clearer and clearer uh, as in private sector employers are 
ever more burdened. They are uh, making many jobs, part-time temp consulting. And so the public sector, the government sector, is the last major bastion of fully benefited, f full vacation days, quite secure uh, em employment. And so uh, if you're at all open to it, I believe that the smart money for many, many people, you know, unless you're the superstar artificial intelligence uh, programmer who w might be well compensated and revered in the private sector, unless you're a, a really quite a superstar, you're, uh, you may be wisest to consider government employment. Okay. Uh, it's also no surprise. You know, people who predict normally have the most accuracy if they don't go wild. They merely predict what continues or accelerates current trends. Clearly, we are being what I'll call very demography-centric. Race, gender, sexual orientation, class, all that stuff. There's going to be tremendous additional focus that will be considered a component of merit in determining who gets hired, who gets promoted. So those are my predictions for the new normal regarding work. On the personal side, let's start with good news. Uh, a, a subset of people in the new normal, especially extroverts, as things, the lockdown lifts, people are going to, it'll be kind of like a roaring 20s for them. They will party hardy. They will travel with a plum. They will shop till they drop at the mall. It's going to be the modern-day equivalent of the Charleston dance from the 20s. I think more people of all stripes will come to not only accept but appreciate outdoor dining. In Europe, that's a more, you know, al fresco is the term. It's, a, it's, it's long been more um, appreciated, and I think a lot of people are liking. I don't know if they like the parklets so much, but I think outdoor dining will continue and maybe even expand, a la Europe, uh, in the new normal. Now, introverts. Introverts, you know, have maybe have been uh, a beneficiary, ironically, of the pandemic. Uh, they've appreciated the, uh, the quieter life that the, the pandemic allowed. It, it gave them cover to, you know, not go to parties when invited or big church events or whatever. Um, and, you know, and they will likely continue it, you know, the, the COVID lifestyle actually, you know, was very consistent with what introverts like. So they will continue to garden you know, these solo re recreations. They'll be creative, whether it's writing or music or cooking or baking or quilting. And yes, you know, binge TV watching, of which I have been guilty. Uh, I'm now... I've, my wife and I are on season four of Longmire, which we think is a beautifully crafted uh, modern-day Western uh, with really kind of rich characters, amazing photography, under-considered fabulous music, and really good plot twists, great dialogue. I think Longmire is an underappreciated show. It's wonderful. I th okay, I think when I come back, I'm going to turn to uh, other aspects of what the new normal may be, at least according to Marty Nemco. So I'll take just a 15-second break or so, uh, then I'll talk about transportation, health, politics, religion. And uh, so I hope you'll stay with me. You're listening to How to Do Life with career and personal coach, Dr. Marty Nemco. If you'd like to work with him, email him a description of your situation, mnemco at comcast.net. That's M-N-E-M-K-O at comcast.net. 
Marty is pleased if you choose to subscribe to this podcast. If you're not listening to this on Simplecast, just go to how-to-life.simplecast and click on listen and subscribe. I do thank you for staying with me. So um, transportation is going to change a lot. Um, it's been very clear, uh, not so visibly publicized, but when you look, scratch beneath the surface, even the true infrastructure part of Biden administration's uh, infrastructure plan focuses on mass transit, but not building anywhere near the number of new roads, freeways, etc., that are going to be required even to meet the existing demand. I think about how much time I spent in in stop and go and even in you know mainly stop traffic, uh, ironically spewing pollutants from my car sitting there idling. And that was before the pandemic. Uh, and then, of course, things have dissipated. You know, when everybody at home, there's less traffic. But the population continues to grow, although it's at a slower rate. They found recently that in California, at least, the uh, the birth rate is, uh, is really has gone quite the, down in the uh, last year. But there will there is an increase in population, especially around cities and in the near suburbs. And so they're not planning to build more more freeways, expressways, or those gridlocked city streets. They're there. They're not going to build. You know, they could build ramps to have a, a road above them, but they're not. They're not doing that. They want us in our bicycles. They want us uh, working at home. So they're making more lanes, carpool lanes, which contracts the rest of the traffic and is small into less space. So more and more people, I predict, in the new normal are going to be staying home. Uh, yes, where there's good mass transit that doesn't take even longer than the gridlock traffic, they'll take mass transit. But, you know, they're even in like where I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's just, it's, it's, there's just so many places you can't get to by mass transit without taking a couple of hours each way to your workplace, let alone I have a friend who lives just 15 miles away from me. And yet uh, by car before the pandemic, he's old, he's in his 90s. I wish to come visit him and it would take me, you know, an hour and 40 minutes each way. And so I just couldn't stand it anymore. It was too much time. I'm, all of our lives are packed and crazy. And the last thing we want to do is spend three hours driving to spend an hour with somebody. So I've ended up having to just deal with, you know, speaking to him by phone, which I still do every few days. Anyway, point is transportation. We're going to be, um, you're going to have a choice between, you know, grid, really bad gridlock, I believe, in the new normal gridlock and stop, mainly stop, not stop and go traffic and uh, uh, and mass transit where, you know, in the places where that's feasible. Because even if they spend a lot on it and they're going to, there's just so many places that are just not at all, uh, not just conveniently, acceptably uh, reachable by mass transit. Now I want to turn to the health uh, implications of the, in the new normal. We seem to be coming up with, we come in, we seem, to, we seem to be the victims of ever new variants of COVID. Just two days ago, there was something called BV1 that they discovered at Texas A&M University, which apparently is more resistant to the vaccines, so that the vaccines may not even work well. We don't know yet, it's too early. It's apparently more serious to young people. So, you know, the best predictor of the future is the past. And when COVID started, it was one variant. Then there was the UK variant and the South Africa variant and the Brazilian variant. And then there was a New York variant. And now there's this BV1, we'll call it the Texas variant. And we don't really know how well the current vaccines will protect against that. 
We also, there's so many intermediate and long-term questions we don't know. It apparently is very, very safe. All the vaccines are quite safe, notwithstanding this very tiny number of blood clots in the, uh, there is, there's been one man, 15 women, uh, out of 8 million shots of Johnson & Johnson, which is a hell of a good uh, track record. But we don't know, A, about the, you know, there probably will not be long-term negatives. We Most negatives that occur from a side effects from a, a vaccines have proven to be short and intermediate term. So I'm willing to bet that the vaccines that we currently have are safe. The question is, and we and I believe that they're quite effective against, especially against serious disease. The question is, how long will that immunity be conferred? You know, there is the estimates I'm hearing are three months, six months, and they're talking about a third booster shot. They're talking about uh, you know annual, and that's what they're maybe they're letting us down generally. Annual vaccinations. It'll be you know kind of like the flu, where every year the experts try to concoct a, a, a cocktail that goes into the flu vaccine that covers various variants. You know, uh, will it be once a year? Will it end up being twice a year? Will there be variants that are resistant? Nobody knows. We also don't know the extent of how much my being vaccinated will keep me from. It may keep me from getting disease, but will it? If I'm with you, if I'm hanging out with you. Am I, how much protection is that, do I protect you? Is my vaccination keep me from transmitting? There is a lot of unanswered questions. And so I think anybody who can predict what's going to happen with regard to COVID is overstating certitude. You know, we, we tend to have a short memory. We focus on what's right in front of us. Remember, COVID was merely the latest in epidemics. There was one in the Civil War with something. There was the 18, the 1918 Spanish flu. There was the AIDS epidemic. Is the, the, you know, it may not be epidemic, but it's still around. SARS, Ebola, other pathogens em, emerge. You know, God knows how or why, but they do. Um, well, how the Black Plague started? I started with the Civil War. What about the Black Plague? And, you know, talking about distraction from by being distracted by COVID. There's all kinds of other, I don't mean to be too negative, but the new normal was going to force us again. We're going to be forced to be, to, there'll be the next bioterrorism, cyber terrorism. They're going to invade the grid. They're going to invade our credit cards. They invaded even the IRS, supposedly super secure system got invaded. You know, at UCSF, where I'm an instructor, uh, they, I, I get notices that, that it's in, Credit card information, birth dates, stuff like that. Uh, it may not be credit card, but birth, you know, very personal information, including social security numbers, have been stolen, got bro broken into at UCSF. So there are all kinds of other threats, man-made and natural. Natural like the pathogens and viruses, uh, and man-made like these these terrorist acts that are going to uh, affect us. I got to say something more positive. This is too negative. I think another change in the new normal is going to be the continuation of the trend toward dog ownership. If, in fact, because the lack of freeway building, we're ever more chained to our homes, just like people have been uh, doing things to make living at home better, we're playing in their garden, doing their solo recreations, but also the um, the pounds and the rescues, the humane societies have been, uh, you know, hordes of people have gone and emptied them out. Now. The good news is if you like pit bulls and chihuahuas, those are, I, I've been looking, those are widely available. But if, if you prefer other uh, mixes or breeds, there's an under the radar tip I'd like to share with you. 
veterinarians very often are treating uh, pregnant dogs uh, and cats and those that have just given, I'm guessing, given given birth. So they would know about upcoming um, puppies and kittens that will be available for adoption. Uh, yet it's not something that people would think about. So if I were looking for a dog and I went on the uh, the web, there are websites that match you up with a, with a dog. Uh, there's petfinders.com, there's adoptapet.com, and there's petharbor.com, maybe .org, I don't remember. Um, and if that didn't work for me, I would call, probably knowing my thoroughness, probably five or more veterinary offices and ask, hey, um, do you, any of your patients, are they either pregnant doggy, pregnant doggies or have recently given, a, given birth and may want to be uh, giving away or selling puppies? Uh, I would think that would be a good way for me to broaden my options in terms of what dog to get. And I am a dog guy. I've had dogs my whole life, and I, uh, I like to think of myself as a fairly objective person. But beyond the emotional, which I love of my doggies, I have a wonderful doggie named Hachi, there is the practical. You, you, it's enforced exercise. You've got to take them out a bunch of times a day so it gets you out of your chair. Everybody, the research shows that you... Uh, you actually you reduce your, your cortisol, your blood pressure, whatever, your stress stuff by petting and hugging your dog. It, it's, a, it's like a baby, having a baby who never grows up, so you're going to, uh, it's a major responsibility. Um, but if you're up for that, and especially if you're going to be home more often, and especially kids, my, uh, my grandkids are uh, just got a dog, and it, I've never seen them as joyous. Anyway, and it's also a great responsibility for the kids. The kids are 12 and 10. They walk the dog. They do all the things they need to do. It's great, great lessons in responsibility. Okay, a little bit about politics. Again, it doesn't take a genius to predict where I call, you know, remember the old phrase, westward ho, I think we are leftward ho. The Democratic win in 2020, I believe, is, is a harbinger of accelerating uh, leftward movement. Uh, we're going to see, uh, especially as we're seeing new laws that are going to increase Democratic voting like a these voter expansion laws, the, the big um, dust-up that occurred in, in not just in Georgia, but the, uh, uh, the push to make D.C. the 51st state, which will be followed by Puerto Rico, the 52nd state, which will both uh, obviously vote very Democratic. Um, and also the Democrats have long been in, uh, have a superior ground game around it, and they use technology much better. Plus, for reasons that I'm, you know, uh, Society's mind molders, the schools, the colleges, the media are uh, certainly, I'll just try to say it as neutrally as I can, are um, presenting the view that we are a nation of systemic racism, implicit racism, uh, lamenting disproportionate impact if there is not a sufficient percentage of African Americans, say as engineers or whatever, it's an immediate cause for redress, uh, that it's an example of racism. Uh, the notions of white male privilege, uh, intersectionalism, that, you know, everybody but white males is uh, oppressed, you know, gays, women, minorities, they try to create the biggest coalition possible. So anyway, all those things are changing the minds of the public in terms of what they're willing to vote for. So I really see an acceleration of, uh, of leftward initiatives, uh, certainly including uh, immigration, quote, reform. Uh, and unfortunately, un you can hear the tinge in my voice. I can't help it. I don't like what I'm seeing in terms of voices that are at all questioning or the, the orthodoxy from the left are being canceled. And canceled is, you know, it's squashed. It's, you know, being, they're getting fired. They're getting threats. They're, they're, they're being shamed. 
it really is the new McCarthyism. And I, I, I have always lamented when, when people invoke, oh, that's Naziistic. But, you know, I am a child of Holocaust survivors, and I recall the book burnings and the censorship, uh, other censorship, and then the killings of people who, you know, who were not sympathizers. And also in the Stalin regime, the, the Stasi would take her, or whatever they were called, would take anybody who was even a thought of as dissent, take them in for, uh, for questioning and, I, I believe, torture. And millions, the Stalin regime killed millions of dissenters. You know, is this... Uh, is this where we're headed? I can't say we are, but I worry about it. I want to talk just a bit about religion in the new normal. Uh, people have long traditionally found religion and places of worship to be a helpful source of comfort and support, but religiosity will continue to decline. The Pew, the Pew Trust, which is the kind of the gold standard uh, organization that studies religion, I think it's the Pew Center for the Study of Religion, they're finding that religiosity, especially Christianity, is declining. I think Islam is is growing, uh, but certainly Christianity, the dominant religion in this country, and and Judaism, uh, which is small, but it has been uh, uh, important. Jews have been an important contributor to uh, society, literature, science, everything. Their Judea people who are who are self-report as as Jewish is declining, and Christian, you know religious people who define themselves as, not define, who will say that they are Christians rather than none of the above, that is declining. And because of COVID, obviously church services in person and the other activities that go on at churches, you know, social activities, church suppers, fundraisers, bingo, <laughs> have been in, in decline, which again decreases the uh, the interest in pe that people have and willing to donate money to their to their churches and synagogues and mosques and temples or whatever. So um, I think because of the COVID is, in, is just the additional impetus for that decline. It, there's the march of science, the, the frankly religion is ever under assault in the media. If you watch movies and TV shows, if there is an ignorant character, it's usually, it's often, I should say that religious people are often portrayed as ignorant or otherwise undesirable. So anyway, those are my predictions for what I think uh, a new normal, the new normal is going to look like. Uh, to briefly summarize, regarding work, there's going to be less rehiring as employers realize they can, they've been able to use COVID as a cover. If people they've wanted to get rid of and they couldn't, now COVID has allowed it and they'll realize they can do with fewer people and you're going to have, so you're going to have to be a much better worker in order to get hired for a good position and stay hired. Uh, there's going to be more remote work, more hybrid, you know, hopefully choices where people could choose how much to work at home, how much to come into the office. Uh, there's going to be ever more uh, private sector, there's going to be redistribution from private sector to public sector jobs. There's a lot of pressure from the left to do that. Uh, so you might well want to look to government jobs as a good bastion of security and benefits and etc. Uh, there's going to be continued demographic centricity, focus on race, gender, sexual orientation, not only in hiring and promotion, but in marketing. If you look at ads these days, you're going to see a great deal of focus on uh, women and minorities. Um, as And if there is a, a negative character, disproportionately it's a white male, whether it be commercials or sitcoms or movies. On the personal front, uh, there's going to be a subset of people who um, are going to, uh, when as the lockdown lifts, are going to be like the Roaring Twenties and really party hardy. 
Uh, we're going to see a continuation, I think, of outdoor dining, which is something we've come to appreciate in, in the pandemic. Introverts will probably, you know, uh, will be able to continue their quiet life, appreciating the, the less pressure to be social, to go to, be pressured by their partner to go to church or to this church social or whatever, or parties, etc. But as the pandemic lifts, the uh, traffic is going to um, resume and uh, the infrastructure plan does not call for much spending on building more highways, freeways, and gridlocked roads. Uh, so it's going to be mass transit to the extent to which it's possible or at all, at all acceptably time-consuming. Uh, or you're going to be staying home a lot, working at home, socializing at home, and uh, therefore getting maybe more dogs <laughs> and gardening and the like. Um, health, I'm worried about the ever-increasing number of variants and we don't know about how well the vaccines will protect against them, how long the protection is, how, how much transmissibility is inhibited, how often we're going to need a, quote, booster shot. Uh, very, very unclear stuff right now. And of course, we've been distracted. There's all these other sources of terrorism, man-made terrorism, like bioterrorism, cyber terrorism, uh, that, you know, we've been distracted from. Politically, I think there's no question we're headed. This is a, a time in which we're headed quite leftward. Uh, and religion, I have believed that religion, and I'm an atheist, but I'm kind of sad that religion is, a, which is such a source for so many people of comfort, uh, especially organized religion and churches, uh, because of the march of science, but also because of the pandemic having shut down in-person events, I believe religion will continue to, uh, uh, to decline. Anyway, just one guy's opinion. I hope you find this, found this interesting. Um, in any event, uh, I like to end each show with uh, my favorite saying. It's, for me, it's more important now in our today's society than ever. We find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't. You've been listening to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. For comments on the show or to consult with Dr. Marty Nemco, his email address is M N E. MKO at Comcast.net. Post-production of How to Do Life by Terry Rouse. Music by Blue Dot Session. Thanks for listening.